is a kind of anti-Christian spirit that is at work. And normally in these political programs, we don't talk about spiritual matters, but we need to do that because you can't understand what's going on in the world today if you don't understand that underneath the political agenda is a spiritual agenda. And it's not really rational, but it's full of hatred against Christianity. US, in one incident, a student at Northeast Wisconsin Technical College was stopped from handing out cards containing the word words, Jesus loves you. Harvard's latest Christian fellowship is placed on probation after defunded and def they were placed on probation and defunded after simply exercising their religious right. And librarians at Simmons College published a guide warning Christians that the phrases Merry Christmas, Happy Easter and also God bless you are so-called microaggressions against Muslims. A Christian school in Canada is worried about its freedom of religion after being told to stop teaching Bible verses that could be deemed offensive. Well, good morning, my beautiful family. It's wonderful to see you. I just wonder if there's anyone here. I'm going to ask you a question, and I need you to. I need to hear you. I want to hear you this morning. Is there anyone in this building who is a Christian? Let me hear you. Are you a Christian? Okay. Well, I titled my message this morning, Offensive Christianity. Offensive. Christianity. And what am I talking about this morning, my beautiful family? I recently, um, the staff, we've been going through an evaluation time and, and I asked them, you know, to evaluate me, like pretend I'm not your boss, you know, and, and like making you say nice stuff about me, you know what I mean? But evaluate me. And one of the things they said was like, we like that sometimes you preach and sometimes you're a little bit more quieter and you teach. And, and so I'm wondering if today, family, if I can teach you this morning. Or would you just nod your head at me if I can teach you? Recently, Kelly, our awesome video guy um, who does all of our video work and internet and stuff like that, um, he's like, Pastor Matt, you need to do a message about the end times, like, like maybe from Daniel or from Romans or like, like what's going to happen. And everybody wants to know that, right? When at the end times, at the battle of Armageddon, when good versus evil and angels versus demons and what's going to happen. And, you know, that's something that fascinates everybody. And I thought, you know what? At some point, I'm going to do that. But before we do that, I think it's really important that we, we all know and understand as Christians that it's not going to go from zero to 100 overnight. You know that, right? Like we're not going to suddenly go from like the day that we're living in now to suddenly tomorrow, everything changes. What happens and how the enemy works is it's a slow deception. And what we've seen over the years and over the decades is people who culture, a culture that used to be tolerant, of Christianity, a culture that, do you remember the days when people would say they were Christians and it would actually help them? Do you remember when celebrities or maybe politicians would say, oh yes, I'm a Christian and that would help them in the polls? Where now, today, the day and time we live in, no one, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, you don't talk about faith at all. If you want to start an argument, just say the name Jesus. I titled my, my message today, Offensive Christianity, because I want us to all be on the same page. Before the battle of Armageddon and before 
what we are going to begin to see more and more unfold before our eyes is persecution of Christians. Right now, there are Christians who are being beheaded and are being put in cages and being, being killed just for what they believe. Why is Christianity so offensive? What happened? Why can't, you saw the, 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 the preview video that Kelly put together for us. Why saying Merry Christmas? Why is Merry Christmas suddenly, oh my gosh, how dare you say that? The things that you believe in and the things that I believe in are offensive to people. Increasingly, family, what we see happening is religious freedoms being stripped away, but only, and be smart, you guys, only from Christians. Only from Christians. Take down that cross. Get that Ten Commandments out of the courthouse. Get that out of here. We don't, we don't want to see Christmas trees in, in municipal buildings. And get that. More and more. Our world is growing increasingly hostile towards Christians. And so before the apocalypse, before the end of days, what you can expect to see is a devaluing, a ridiculing, making fun of what we believe. Christianity and Jesus is suddenly the brunt of the jokes. It's a faith for weak people. It's a, it's a faith for gullible people. Why is Christianity so offensive to people? It's, impor it's important, family, that your faith and my faith Hear your pastor this morning, I want to teach you that your faith and my faith is rooted and grounded in the word of God. I don't know if you're aware of this, but over the last couple weeks, a couple really high profile Christian leaders have turned their back on the faith. They no longer believe that there's a such thing as absolute truth they no longer believe the things that we hold sacred. They no longer believe that those things are sacred. And so it's important that your faith is rooted and grounded in Christ, not in some man or some woman. Amen? Amen. That you know what you believe and you hold on to what you believe, whether it's popular or not. Well, that's good. So why? Why Christianity, Bryce? And why are they coming after us? What's so offensive? There's lots of things, but we're going to look at a few of them this morning, family. And lest, and you know how I am, lest we get to looking down our Christian noses at the rest of the world, I'm also going to bring us into this because if we're honest, there's things that are even offensive to us that we've got to make peace with. So we can't be talked out of what the truth is. Why is Christianity 
So offensive. What can be so offensive? Let's take a look at this first chunk of scripture. We all know it. For God, so what, family? So what's all the offense about? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Listen to the gospel, the good news. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. What is so offensive about that? How dare you tell me I need to be saved? I need to be saved? That I'm a sinner? How dare you tell me the way I'm living my life that it's sinful? How dare you? What do you mean I need rescued? I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. Everything that I've gotten in this life, I have earned for myself. What do you mean I need to be saved? Gospel is offensive, family, because number one, it offends our pride. What do you mean I have to humble myself? I worked hard for everything that I've gotten, and the way I live my life is no one else's business. Confess, admit that I'm a sinner. What do you mean this whole idea of original sin? I don't buy it. It's offensive. Because it says, Carrie, no matter how hard you work, you can't save yourself. And that's offensive. Because we believe that we go to work Monday through Friday or whatever you work, and at the end of that week, we believe we're going to get a paycheck, right? We earn what we get. And so we think it, the human mentality is, don't tell me I can't save myself. When I put my mind to doing something, doggone it, I can pretty much do everything. It offends our pride because it says no matter how good you think you are, Karen, there's really nothing good in you except for Christ. And that's offensive. Recently, I sat down with a couple friends who used to be Christians. They used to serve the Lord. And as I sat across from them at dinner, they began to tell me why they no longer believe in what they used to believe. We're good people. We're good people. We're kind. We're loving, we're generous, we're not judgmental. Like, I just no longer believe that human beings are bad. I just think if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you, you get bad. I, I just don't believe in this idea of us needing a savior. Doggone it, save yourself. If you're strong enough, the strong will survive. Save yourself. The gospel attributes nothing to our salvation of us. It's all by God's grace and mercy. What do you mean I can't earn it? I can do whatever I want. The gospel is offensive, family. 
Because it requires us to agree with God that apart from Him, we're nothing. And that's offensive. And lest we look down our Christian nose at non-believers, the reason that we sin is because we go through times in our life where we don't want anybody to tell us nothing. You went off on so-and-so. Yeah, she made me mad, and I gave her a piece of my mind. What do you mean I can't do this, and what do you mean I can't? There's still things it's like, I want to do what I feel. I want to say what I feel because there's still that nature in us. Even those of us who love Jesus, there's still that nature that says, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. And so it's why every day, my beautiful family, we have to humble ourselves. We have to realize that still, the greatest prayer that anyone could ever pray is have mercy on me, a sinner. Whether you've been serving him for 40 years or for 40 minutes, the greatest prayer we could pray, Jerry, is have mercy. Don't give me what I deserve. Don't. And that requires that you lay down your pride. We needed a Savior. And are you thankful this morning for the Son of God? Amen, family. Are you thankful that Jesus said, I'll go? She deserves death. He deserves death. But I'll let them crucify me. Christianity is offensive because we can't earn anything. It's all Let's move on, family. Paul is speaking to Christians now. And he says, have this mind among yourself. This is the way we should all think. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God. So stay with me here, family. Okay, so wrap your brain around this is what Paul's saying. Think on this. So Jesus, who... Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself what, family? Okay, so wait a minute. Wait a minute. So God, like Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit and all them, just God, you know, he made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Okay, so God became man? What? And being found in human form, he what, family? Humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you want me to buy this. This is what you're selling, Pat. You want me to buy that God, like Father, Son, Holy Spirit, got 
that he was born of a virgin. So hold on, biology 101, hello, that he was born of a virgin. So wait, he became man and then he died a disgraceful, humiliating death. That's what you want me to buy. That's what you're selling. Okay, Christianity is offensive because number two, family, it offends our wisdom. <laughs> what? You expect me? No, no, no. Come on, dude. You, you, you got to do better than that. There's got to be a better line you can sell me. There's got to be something else you can get. You expect me to believe that. And family, I know for a lot of us, it's what we were raised in our entire life. But Annette, I think you'll agree with me on this. A lot of the stuff that we believe is ridiculous. It, I, I, it, uh, just in human wisdom, right? It's it, it doesn't logically Makes sense. Have you ever heard of another virgin birth? <laughs> you know, man and woman. It, a lot of the stuff that we believe goes against conventional human wisdom. And so what people do who don't serve the Lord, they try to get us trapped in this way. Okay, so explain to me how this happened. Explain to me why this happened in the Bible. Explain to me this. And we sometimes get caught up in this trap. We think that we have to defend and explain everything that took place in the Bible. And so other, here's what happens. It's easier to just keep our mouths shut, isn't it? It's like because there is stuff in that Bible, and we're all about being honest, right, family? There's stuff in that Bible, a lot of stuff we don't understand, right? Nod your head at me, right? And there's some stuff in there, we're being honest, right? right, right. There's stuff that happened about we don't like. We don't like. We, what do you mean God killed so-and-so? Like, so they, like, they're just all dead? Like, like in these couple people tried to, cheat God out of money so he sw opened up the ground and swallowed them into the ground. Like, what do you mean that there was this situation where God killed 3,000 people and what, what are you talking about? There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that we can't explain. And there's stuff that happened in the Bible that we don't like. And so here your pastor this morning. Okay, because I asked you if I could teach you and most, at least most of you nodded your head at me. Can I teach you this morning? Don't fall for the trap. We are not called to defend every jot and tittle that's in that Bible, that we're all supposed to be Bible scholars and know everything that happened and why it happened. They might try to confuse you and try to catch you up. And how do you explain this in the Bible? But do you know what they can't take away from you? Your story. What's Jesus done in your life? I may not understand how they were able to cross the Red Sea, but let me tell you what God did in my life. Amen. And so it's so important that 
you know your story. And even if you can't defend every action that God ever did in the Bible, you can say, you know what? You got me because I, 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 I don't understand that. But I can tell you I once was lost, but now I'm found. I can tell you what it's like to struggle with this addiction and that addiction. And the only reason that I'm standing here in my right mind, that's where you're supposed to laugh, in my right mind today is because God has been good to me. And there's nothing that you can say that can stop me from talking about the goodness of the Lord. He's been too good to me. And so they might try to get you hung up in that trap of, well, why this happened? And especially the Old Testament. You know what I mean? Why, why God do that? If he's so loving, then why did he do? And you can, without pride, you can humbly say, I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't that feel good? You know, something that will keep you young is to keep asking questions. Nothing will aid you more if you think you know everything. You know what I mean? And so it's all right to just keep, you know, Matt, well, then why'd he do this, Matt? Well, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> but he sure gave me a great wife. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, I, right? It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm so blessed to, to have the kids that I have and the friends that I have. And God set me free from this. And he get, right? They might be able to stump you on a lot of stuff that took place in that Bible. They might be able to. But your story, you talking about what he's done in your life, oh my. The gospel is offensive because it says no matter how hard you work, you can never work hard enough to save yourself. And that's offensive to our pride. The gospel is offensive because it just logic, my wit, it, it doesn't make sense. There's a lot of things that don't make sense. It's okay. I know that I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Yeah. They can't rob me of what God has done in my life. Lastly, wrapping this up, family. It's again, it's Paul talking. Paul writing, and he's talking about, and hear your pastor on this family. We can't let anyone talk us out of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because if he's not alive, if he's not alive, he went the way of every other prophet ever known to man. The thing that sets Jesus apart from every other prophet is they killed him. But he didn't stay dead. So the resurrection, Paul is saying, that matters. That's important. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures. Hmm. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. Hmm. And that he appeared to Cephas and to the 12. 
And then he appeared to more than 500. They killed him. There were all these witnesses that he died on the cross. They put him in the tomb, put a rock there, and had soldiers guarding. He was dead. But then he appeared to Cephas, and then he appeared to more than 500 other witnesses at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Here's Paul's point. How many of you know how very, very difficult it is to get two people to agree on anything? Right? Nod your head at me. Let alone hundreds and thousands of people. You're trying to tell me, so I'm supposed to take the Bible like it's true. Like that these men who wrote the Bible, like they couldn't be wrong. What Paul is saying is, you don't only have to take our word for it. Jesus appeared to thousands of people after his death. And how are you going to get all those people to tell the same lie? only because it's the truth that Jesus died, he rose again, he's at the hand, the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for us. So even if it's like, well, how do you know the Bible? Well, what if I don't believe the Bible? Fine. There's lots of other Jewish writings, lots of accurate historical Roman writings that prove Jesus existed, that they crucified him, and they could no longer find the body. So if you don't believe the Bible, there's lots of other proof that Jesus is who he says he is. It's like he appeared to all these people, and there's no way you can get all of those people to commit to telling the same lie. No. He says, lastly, <laughs> last of all, he appeared to little old me. You know what I mean? He appeared to little old me. He's like, I'm not telling you something that someone told me, that someone told me, that someone told with my own eyes. But hear me, hear me. That's, that's where people try to get us. So you're telling me you believe in these scriptures, these scriptures, this Bible, that were written by men. And you know men and women, we make mistakes. So you're telling me you believe that under the Holy Spirit's guidance that they wrote stuff and compiled it in this book and that everything that's in this book is true. You're telling, like, how do you know? What if you're wrong? What if you're, have you ever seen Jesus with your own eyes? Have you ever? Like truly seeing him face to face. So you're just buying all this stuff because you, you read it in these thousands of year old texts. You're just going to buy that? Christianity and the gospel is offensive, family, because it offends our experience. You can't see it under the microscope. And so often, even we fall in this trap. Remember I told you, I don't want us looking down our Christian noses at the world. We're supposed to be light in the world. We, want, we haven't forgotten, we want everybody saved, right, family? Like, we want everybody saved. And so, you know, we live in a culture, and, and we can even be guilty of this sometimes. If I don't see it, I don't believe it. If I don't feel it, if I can't touch it, smell it... I don't, it offends our experience. And it's offensive to non-believers that there's no body to be examined. 
You can't put, you can say anything. There's no body to be examined. It offends because it's all by faith. It's all by faith. So I just have to have faith that all this stuff happened. So forget about logic. You're just asking me to have faith in something that I can't see and that I can't touch and that I can't feel. It offends our experience. And we can even fall into that trap. How many times do we do this? Ooh, we, we and you, you guys, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but we've all done it. We've all done it. Man, this was a really great church service today. Well, how do you know? Because I got goosebumps. I felt, I felt it. I felt. And so the second there's a song that you don't like, or the second there's a message that's like, it wasn't really for me. Oh, church wasn't good today because I didn't have a good experience. I didn't, there weren't, this didn't happen, or, or that didn't happen, or they didn't sing my favorite song, or he didn't talk about my favorite scripture. Even we can fall into that trap of the reason I'm a Christian is because of everything I always experience. Hear your pastor today. It is a walk of faith. Have you ever woken up some mornings? And don't leave me up here looking crazy. Have you ever woken up some mornings and you don't feel like a Christian? Have you, right? Especially, now I told you guys, you all need to get those GT stickers, all right? Because I'm a, a lot of times behind the wheel, I don't feel like a Christian. So if you get those stickers, I'm a better driver, all right? So, aren't there, I am, I am, you guys. Aren't there times where someone at work where you're just like, man, I don't feel like being a Christian today. I don't and then there's other days where it's like, mm, it's all, everything is great, everything. You cannot base your faith on what you feel. Because if there's one thing that you can count on to let you down, it's your feelings. Whoa, whoa, whoa feelings. They come and go. It's a walk of faith. And no, you can't see faith under a microscope. And no, you don't always feel like you're a pillar of faith. But Jesus surpasses the human experience in this. There are millions and millions of people that have experienced him, that can quantify that my life is better being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And let me, let me just have your attention, just a couple more minutes, family. They can quantify that my life is better being a disciple, which means being a pupil, being a student, being an adherent to. The idea 
of why we're all in this building, why we all say we're followers and not fans of Jesus Christ. The idea is this, is that you are sitting there with your phone or with your iPad, or you're going to do it the old fashioned way, and you're going to journal. It's as if you're sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ, and you're saying, every situation that I find myself in life, Jesus, how would you respond to that? And then you're taking notes, and you're living the way Jesus lived. That's what being a disciple is. I feel like, man, I feel like stealing, but what would you do, Jesus? Man, I feel like going over there and giving him a piece of my mind, but what would you do, Jesus? Man, I don't want to honor my marriage vows, but what would you do, Jesus? We're followers, not fans. And it's why it's so important that the reason you follow Jesus is not because your mom told you to and not because your dad did or not because this pastor or that pastor. The reason that you follow Jesus is because you are convinced that he is the way, the truth, and the life and that no one comes to the Father except by him. There's only one way and it's you and I surrendering our lives to him. It's the only way that we're saved, family. It's the only way. And as it becomes less and less popular to admit that you're a Christian, is the time when the church, when the body of Christ has to stand up and has to come out of hiding and has to declare, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen, family. I'm not ashamed. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. And the greatest desire of my heart is that you would taste and see, that you would come to know the life-transforming knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's still, family, all about Jesus. Amen. It's offensive because... We can't save ourselves. It's offensive because there's a lot of stuff that flat out doesn't make sense. It's offensive because it's outside a lot of times of the normal human experience. But that doesn't make it any less true. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is that we never have to stand before the Father and hear him say, you're going to get what you deserve now. That when the Father looks at you and when he looks at me, he doesn't see the years and years of sin, Marilyn, right? How many times have we let him down? If, if it was just me and you, that Jesus would have needed to come, right? Right? I mean, it was just... He doesn't see our mountain of sin. He sees us clean, blameless, spotless. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But aren't you thankful for Jesus this morning, family? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Thank you, Jesus. Just take another moment, fam. Just, just take a moment. Would you say thank you, Jesus? Think, think about all the things that he does for us day in and day out and all the many blessings that he's poured out into our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.
Thank you for life. Thank you for taking away our sins. Thank you for joy. The world is making a slow and methodical retreat from you, Jesus. But we will stand our ground. And we will allow your light to shine through us. We will allow your love to impact everyone that we've come in contact with. It's their only hope. And so we need not fear the end of days, the apocalypse and Armageddon and oh my gosh, we just need to be found faithful in Christ. Thank you for that assurance that nothing and no one can snatch us out of your hand. Thank you, God, that no persecution, no deception, nothing can snatch us out of your hands. So we will not walk in fear. We will walk in boldness and confidence, knowing that you're with us and for us. You overcame the world. We don't have to be afraid because you've overcome the world and we're in you and that makes us overcomers. Thank you, Jesus. If you'll keep your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here or you're watching and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to say a prayer and I want you to repeat this prayer after me. This is you becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Would you say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I humbly admit that. I'm asking you today to come into my life. Destroy my sin. All of it, Jesus. Holding nothing back. I'm all yours. In your name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate with people giving their lives to Jesus today. Yeah. If you prayed that prayer with me today and you gave your life to Jesus, I don't want you to start this journey of faith by yourself. You probably have a lot of questions. And so what I want to invite you to do is to text the word heaven to 41411. Just text the word heaven to 41411. And my friends, Jason and Brittany, they'll help answer any questions that you might have and walk with you in this new journey of faith that you're on. Every question that you might have or some different things, they can help you in this greatest decision you've ever made. Would you stand up on your feet with me today, my beautiful family? Listen, I love you from the bottom of my heart and as offensive as Christianity is to the world and as many things as that there are that maybe we don't even yet understand, the only thing that you need to know is God sent his son to die in your place and what he wants is for you to just say, Yes, Lord. So before we get out of here, can you shout in the true second service way? Can you shout with me? Yes, Lord. Ready? Yes, Lord. I love you. Have a great day.